Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get our fine podcast. We are part of the esteemed Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. So if you know, you know, and you know how to find us. We are everywhere you go for your podcasting needs. He is Jamie D'Amico. I am John Boccasino, our longtime voices of this fan-driven podcast. And Jamie, it's great to have you back, buddy. Buddy, I, we were just talking about it in our production meeting. I had a week off, but you had Fred Jackson on. And anybody who hasn't listened to that, go back and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your fine podcasts. And listen to John Boccasino talking to Fred Jackson because it was great work on both ends. And he just seems like such a nice guy. He is that. And that's the thing. It's like you don't you know, you don't know how someone's going to be. Fred was always good with the media. Every time I would, you know, see an interview, I worked at the newspaper uh, in Rochester for a while and got to cover some of those teams with Fred Jackson, but never really had a chance to do, you know, a sit down and. He was just he yeah, he was such a down to earth guy. You know, he's the guy you can go out there and grab wings and a beer with. You know, he's the guy that you could just tell it wasn't some made up persona. And I think my favorite part of that interview, besides the fanboy and me geeking out over actually talking to Freddie um, for the interview itself, was just hearing like his humility and yet his like his connections to both Buffalo, because he's from Arlington, Texas. I mean, which couldn't be further away from Buffalo, New York. And yet that city, that franchise and that fan base had such a love affair with Freddie and it was totally reciprocated. I just, I loved the affinity that he had for the Bills Mafia. That was so cool. I, I, yes. And I think that there's something to be said for the fact that he went to co-college, which is in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know, you go from basically the Dallas Metroplex to Cedar Rapids, a small sleepy town, and then you end up in Buffalo. It's a step up. Like you're going to be far more entertained by Buffalo than you are Cedar Rapids. And I'm sure that was a great thing because we were talking about how Marshawn Lynch was bored when he was in Buffalo. He had what you said, Applebee's. <laughs> which made me laugh. Yeah, there was that famous commercial where he goes out and he's like behind the bar pouring himself a soda and he's chowing down on the wings. And then you go to Dave and Buster's and play the games there. But he didn't have that. He didn't have like the the thriving nightlife that Beast Mode wanted. And Fred Jackson didn't need that. Right. He just, Buffalo was like the perfect city for him. And, you know, I, I I'm always fascinated with, you know, in our line of work, Jamie, what, you know, what we do as a, a hobby doing the bills podcasts and, you know, what I get to do for a living for Cuse writing stories and doing podcasts. I really have come to enjoy interviewing people and finding out what makes them tick, you know, where their motivation comes from. The fact that Freddie didn't get a single college scholarship after a really decorated high school career and he gets bypassed by the 32 teams in the draft and has to go to a national indoor football league in Iowa and then go NFL Europe before finally getting his chance. That dude never lost that motivation. He never lost that incentivization for why he's doing this. And I just commend him for not giving up on his dreams. Yeah. Most people should see that as a wake up call. Like my, my partner in the other podcast, big newt said he really needed to get cut from the arena Two league because <laughs> <laughs> he needed to move on with his life and he couldn't. 
because he still had that <laughs> NFL dream. He's like, but man, when you don't even make an Arena 2 team, the chances of you making it in the NFL are pretty nil. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I tell the listeners what we are going to talk about today, and then I have questions for you, if I may. All right. So yeah, Jamie, on, on today's Believe episode, uh, I'm actually really excited I'm sad by the fact that we're having this conversation because it's kind of a, a, a state of affairs of where the Buffalo Bills stand uh, this offseason being so tight up against the cap, being over the cap. Um, and there, there, there are ways, I will say, to get creative with some of the restructures that, that Buffalo and, and Brandon Bean can do this offseason to give the Bills a more palatable cap situation. But it's not good. I mean, the Bills are in dire straits. Uh, with having 10 players making 10 mil or more uh, on the roster, including Josh Allen going up to almost $40 uh, million in 2023. And, you know, the Bills have 20 free agents that are going to hit the market coming up in March. And there's three other restricted free agents. There's 20 unrestricted free agents. And two of those we're going to talk about here on the podcast. They are two of the key linchpin members of Buffalo's defense and it's starting free safety Jordan Poyer and starting linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. They both are coming up about to hit free agency. They both are going to be very sought after on the free agency market. And Jamie, the bills have some very difficult decisions when it comes to this part of free agency. There, there, there's so much, there's so much that needs to be addressed with this roster. And, you know, we can talk, we'll talk about down the road, you know, the offensive line and how to improve that, what the hell they're going to do with all the money invested along that defensive line, what they're going to do to address the wide receiver room. But today I wanted to dive into Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer. And if we're general manager, Brandon Bean, what's our approach to handling these two pivotal decisions this off season? Let's start with uh, the old guy of the group, if you will, Jamie, uh, Jordan Poyer. I think I can summarize this very quickly, but I, I will expand on it a little bit. Jordan Poyer had six injuries this past season, and like a warrior, he fought through it. The guy was in a van for 15 hours to get to the game in Kansas City, 15 hours on the way back. I, I mean, it, it's just incredible what he did to put himself on the field, and let's face it, they were 10-0 and 0 during the regular season when he was on the field, and it wasn't just that they won games with him out there. He was a difference maker. They were a much, much better defense with Jordan Poyer on the field. And and they but, were, and, and the fact that I love the story that I believe it was Tim Graham uh, put out there about how he went to a Mercedes-Benz uh, Sprinter van when he was uh, diagnosed with an injury. Um, before the Kansas City Chiefs game, he actually hurt his ribs uh, in the road win over Baltimore. You know, he missed the game against Pittsburgh at home. The blowout had a collapsed lung. Dude, that's serious. I mean, that that's a legit. Yes, that's like a life threatening. If you take an injury, that's why he, he could not fly to Kansas City. He had to drive 15 hours in that van. And he was he's he's the heart and soul of that defense in that secondary when he's healthy. But the six, mm -hmm. the six injuries, Jamie, you know, it really should be some red flags. And you could just tell that, you know, Jordan, like you said, he had the warrior mentality. He wanted to be out there. 
but he just was not himself, especially in the playoff game versus Cincinnati. He was getting, you know, torched and burned on the different plays and he wasn't his normal self. And, you know, if, if, if he were 26 or 27, this is a different story. This is a different conversation, but he's going to be 32 in April. So if I read between the tea leaves, are you saying that you, uh, obviously we don't know what the contract valuation is going to be. And I did want to uh, say, Jamie, for comparison's sake here, I came up um, and, and referenced spot track with what they're projecting his market value to be. Um, and some of the similar comps, um, if, if, if his market value holds true according to spot track, it would be a three year deal with an average salary of roughly $11 million a year. So another player making double digits in million dollar salaries, you know, for the bills, what do you do with Jordan Poyer? So I think in order to address that, we have to first talk about the salary cap situation. Because the Bills are going into the 2023 financial fiscal season at $20.5 million over the cap. Now, if you want to listen to a podcast about what the Bills can do to get under that cap and how far to go, well, you're in luck because Jamie Dean Big Newt covered that. So we went through that and saw that through a few cuts and a few renegotiations, the Bills can easily get under that mark, and then they can get, basically, the Bills can get themselves about $34 million in wiggle room. It's probably about $44 million, but $10 million goes to the uh, goes to the rookie class that's coming in, okay? So just to set the scene, this is where we are. Okay, they've got $34 million to work with. I want to say, and, and I definitely encourage all of our listeners to go check out um, Jamie D and the Big Newt, their podcast episode, which does cover this topic uh, in great detail. There was an article or maybe it was a tweet. I'm trying to find it here. I thought it was done by Greg over at Cover One. Um, yes, he had a great tweet about that. Because it basically I didn't it actually gave me a lot of hope uh, when I was reading through the uh, the tweet as to just how much money the bills can clear up. Yes, the bills are cash strapped and yes they are over the cap significantly but there's ways like they can push this money down the road they can you know roll over and and push a lot of Josh Allen's contract money and defer it further on down the road they can do the same thing with Stefan Diggs they can do the same thing with a bunch of players and i do believe it was around 35 to 37 million or so um that buffalo could clear off you know, by, by doing, um, those restructurings. And we all know that Brandon Bean, um, is, is a cap wizard. So there are, there are ways to clear up some cap space. Right. And for the most part, what they would be doing is just changing salary into signing bonus, which is just a clerical move that will then take that number and spread it out over the remainder of the contract, as opposed to hitting the salary cap this year. I came up with, like I said, I came up with about $34 million that they have to work with. And that's real. That, that's uh, important. It, I mean, every, every penny is going to count when it comes to what Brandon Bean's going to be able um, to do here. So with, with that money that's been converted now that we, and, and we know that the bills, even, even with that though, I think you said it, it's going to take around six to 7 million to 
sign Buffalo's rookie free agent class. I'm putting that at 10 million. Ooh, okay. It's a little, that's on a bit of the higher end from what I've seen. It, that is a bit on the higher end. Yes. But I like your approach though, because um, it's better to plan for the worst case scenario um, and give yourself a chance to really think about, you know, what needs to happen to get everyone under the cap. And, you know, free agency is, is such a crapshoot with how much money, you know, we thought, think back to this time last year, how crazy we thought the Jaguars were to give that money to Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Yes. You know, people get drunk with needs and, and wanting to spend their money during the uh, the free agency period. And there are going to be teams out there with, you know, 40, 50, 60 million dollars in salary cap space. So you can bet that salaries are going to get pushed way up by those teams. So I have to ask you the question. We talked about what was going on with Jordan Poyer. So then the question becomes, do you take a third of your available salary cap space and give it to a 32-year-old who's coming off an injury-plagued season? I do not. Um, I Especially if it's at that sum um, that were now again, it, it's fascinating how these um, markets, how these websites determine, you know, what the average value is going to be. I know there's a lot of comps uh, that are done. And for Jordan Poyer's sake, uh, a lot of the comp players that spot track at least used. One of them was Micah Hyde uh, when he signed a two year, $19.2 million contract at age 30. Uh, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger was 29 when he signed a three-year deal worth 28 million. Those are below what spot track is estimating uh, Jordan Poyer's salary figure, you know, to be. And that's one of those things where when you look at what Jordan Poyer brings to this bills franchise, you know, again, if he's guaranteed to be healthy, which no one's guaranteed to be healthy. I mean, that's, that's fool's gold. But I just don't think it's worth it to give him that type of money, especially when you think about the fact that you're not going to be getting him for all, how many players entering their age 32 season and beyond, like, especially if you're given talking about a three year deal, I, I, that money makes me uncomfortable. The other side of it is you have to take a look at the position. And there's a big difference between a secondary player. Well, let, let me put it this way. The farther away from the ball you get, the more you have to rely on speed. So if we're talking about a defensive tackle, they don't have to be fast. They have to be strong. And you see it in basketball all the time. And granted, the game has changed a little bit. But going back 15, 20 years ago, you saw centers like Shaquille O'Neal hanging on forever because their game isn't predicated, wasn't predicated on getting up and down the court fast. You know, it wasn't the spread offenses. It was standing there with their back to the basket and muscling people around. You know, you can get older and fatter as long as you maintain your strength. But when you get farther away from the ball, the skill positions, the speed is what you lose. You lose speed before you lose strength. And when you're on the wrong side of 30, losing a step to a member of the secondary can make a big difference between them being an all pro as Jordan Poyer was two seasons ago and a guy who all of a sudden is getting burned on the back end of the defense. Age makes a difference. It does. I think those are valuable 
uh, points to bring up. And, and I think that, you know, what has allowed, you know, Jordan Poyer, I think one of the most underrated aspects of, of his time in, in Buffalo, besides the fact that he really, you know, came from low pedigree. He wasn't someone who was highly regarded or ranked, you know, when the, when Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott brought him, you could make the argument, Jamie, that signing Jordan Poyer when they did in free agency was the most influential and important offseason signing of the McBean regime. You could easily make that argument because he transformed that defense and he was there to get the Bills over the hump into the place where they felt like, you know, they were a legit championship contender. It's all because Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde came over to the Bills in free agency. So yeah. all of this is being said not to slight Jordan Poyer's impact on this defense. But I just I don't think I can justify if it were a two year deal, I'm much more likely to listen. But this is also Jordan's last chance to go get money and get paid. And yes, if he had kept the same managerial structure that he had um, as far as like his personnel, who's representing him, you know, last offseason, remember, he wanted a contract extension and he switched agents and he switched management Mm -hmm. firms that basically would make you think that, all right, this deal didn't get done. I'm now out for myself. I want to get this money and more power to him. But changing up the agents yes. like that, it makes me think that Jordan Poyer is going to seek a lot of money on the free agency market. And it, it concerns me a bit to offer up that type of money for someone who, again, the injuries he's coming off of. I mean, we're talking about significant injuries that he's had to go through, including, you know, going through damage in his knee. Um, you know, he's he suffered six injuries all told last year. It's not like we're talking about a guy who had one injury during the course of the year. You know, he had six different ailments that including a hyperextended elbow. He had those rib injuries. He had a torn meniscus and he had a concussion. And I just worry about giving that type of money um, to someone at Jordan Poyer's age. When you're a good team, you have to make difficult choices. The NFL is set up so you cannot, with a salary cap, you cannot keep all of your players. It's just the league is built for parity, and this is how you take the good teams and tear them down and take the bad teams and build them up by players like this becoming available. Tough decisions. And I think the toughest of the decisions right now is as much as Jordan Poyer loves the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills love Jordan Poyer, I think you have to let him go. I would agree. I I think, Jamie, this is one of those things where, you know, (laughs) the Bills have been putting off addressing the safety position for a while. And rightfully so. You've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer out there who are up until this year were two of the most consistent, reliable pairs of safeties in the NFL, but the bills are facing a real crisis at safety. The only safeties currently under contract for next year, it's Micah Hyde. It's Damar Hamlin, who we all know and love, but who knows how long it's going to take him to get back into football shape and, and football playing ability. And a dude named Jared Maiden, every other safety is one of those free agents in Jordan Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, and Dean Marlowe. So I hope that the Bills can – this is one of those things, Jamie. It's really hard for football teams. It's hard for fans. I got to imagine it's near impossible 
for a regime like McBean, uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to remove emotion from the decision-making process. Emotionally, they would love to have Jordan Poyer back, but they've got to be fiscally smart with their decision-making here. They have to. Well, I think if you go back six years ago to when Jordan Poyer signed, Jordan Poyer was a fringe starter who did not start half of his half of his games played in the NFL. He was a sometimes starter, mostly backup for the Cleveland Browns, who were not a good team. The Bills scouting department saw something in him. And Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde was not a highly sought-after player. He was a cornerback that was getting burned regularly. The Bills scouting saw something in these players. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go as far as to say they turned Jordan Poyer into the all-pro that he became. With what they have shown with those two players, with their ability to scout and find players with the traits that they need to be successful... I would roll the dice on them going out and finding a fringy starter and turning them into a great player. I would roll the dice on that before I would pay over $10 million a season to Jordan Poyer. I think we're in agreement on that one here, Jamie. And I think it also helps, too, to feel a little more comfortable with the fact that the Bills have become better, at least last year. Um, you know, one of the things that Hyde and Poyer did so well was masking the deficiencies at the CB2 spot. And I think with Christian Benford's development, with Kair Elam's development, you know, the Bills can feel a little bit less pressure to commit so much valuable cap space to keeping Jordan Poyer on the roster. I think the Bills are going to have to let him go unless he gives Buffalo a, a discount. But I don't think he's going to, and especially when you factor in another article that was done, I believe Tim Graham did this one, where we learned that Jordan Poyer came back to Orchard Park and the Bills team facility, not once, not twice, but three times after the season-ending loss to the Bengals to soak it all up, not knowing if he was going to be back in Buffalo. To me, the writing's on the wall and he's going to be walking and pursuing his free agency deal coming up in March. I think he should, by the way. He's 32 years old. He's been injured. He's been in the league for 10 years. Get your money, buddy. Like, get get your money while you can, because if he were to sign a contract and not play well, you know, they're they're going to cut him. You know, the the business of the NFL is not kind to the players. So the players need to get the money when they can. No hometown discounts, buddy. Get your money and you have my blessing. Now, as we roar on with our Believe, uh, almost Sophie's Choice type of uh, podcast as to uh, Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds and what you would do with them and who you would keep this offseason, I do want to switch gears to the second of our two candidates that we are profiling here. And this one to me, Jamie, is I think if you pull people in Buffalo, you're going to get a different response than if you pull people across the rest of the football-loving country that is, that is America with Tremaine Edmonds. For some reason, he is maligned in Buffalo and beloved across the country when it comes to how talented of a football player he is. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think Tremaine Edmonds is exactly what 
Buffalo needs on their defense. And I think this is one of the cases where if the bills have to overpay to keep one of their internal free agents or overpay in free agency, Tremaine Edmonds to me is the guy that you want to find a way to bring back. I, and, and now I will say there are comps out there um, for the 25 year old linebacker that could make you a little leery. If you're a bills fan, I don't think Tremaine Edmonds is getting anywhere near what Roquan Smith got with his extension. Let's put that out there for the, for the debating. No, he's not going to get that much, but it does change the market. It pushes the number upward, but we knew that was going to happen anyway. We did. And you know, it's interesting how, again, I don't know how these places come up with their valuations, but for Tremaine Edmonds, who is going to be turning 25, he's not even 25 yet. He's going to be turning 25 later on in a month and a half. He'll, he'll celebrate being 25 years on this earth, which is crazy to think how long Tremaine Edmonds has been in the league. But yeah, do you know that he's played longer than Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady combined yet is only 25? How is that possible? <laughs> I feel like some fuzzy math is being used there, Jamie. Hey, we call it back of the napkin math. <laughs> Given the fact that Tom Brady recently concluded, supposedly, his, uh, what, 25-year NFL career, 24-year NFL career. Um, so to give you some numbers, Jamie, with, with, with Tremaine Edmonds, Spot Track is valuing his market at four years, $44 million, with an average salary of... $11 million a year. Again, very similar to what um, Jordan Poyer's uh, market valuation was. Greg Thompson at Cover One had a really good tweet comparing Tremaine Edmonds's salary projections at six years and $105 million per year, which is above both Pro Football Focus and Spot Track. But I think Tremaine is worth it, and I'll tell you why. The Bills defense came under a lot of fire in the second half of the year when they were unable to generate the pressure on the quarterback. And that all falls on the defensive line. What is the worst thing you can do to a defense that is going through an identity crisis with the D line that's struggling to do one of its core tasks? You take away from an area of strength, the linebackers on this team, what Milano, what Matt Milano and what Tremaine Edmonds do for this unit is in my in my uh, conservative opinion here it's irreplaceable like you cannot to shell out the money to find a Tremaine Edmonds replacement you're better off spending the money bringing back Tremaine Edmonds the guy who has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he is the man he is the Mike linebacker he is the guy who makes that defense go he's the quarterback of the defense he's such a valuable part of this defense that I think the Bills need to find some way to work their cap wizardry and bring back this 25 year old phenom you know I know that again he's it's funny how he's so vastly differently viewed in Buffalo versus the rest of the NFL but if he were to hit the open market I guarantee you the Bills will look back when the season starts and be like, damn it, why did we let this guy go? He's just that important to this defense. I understand why people don't always view him positively. And it pretty much starts with the fact that he gets swallowed up by offensive linemen. Like we, We've seen that numerous times where offensive linemen gets their mitts on him. Next thing you know, he's 15 yards downfield and nowhere near the play. And that sucks. But... 
Today's NFL is about coverage, and his range and length really destroys the the passing lanes for offenses. He is absolutely vital. Now, I think that the spot track estimate of 11 million a year is way off. I mean, it that's just miles away from what he's going to get. And Greg Thompson, I agree with him 100%. $17.5 million per season, that sounds about right to me because every year the numbers go up, right? Well, and especially when you consider, just to put this out there, Jamie, the fact that, you know, um, in back in May of 21, the Bills exercised their fifth-year option on Tremaine for $12.7 million. So, yeah, that market value was kind of silly out there. Um, I do want to say, though, too, the, the point you bring up about Tremaine getting swallowed up by offensive linemen is, is one to note, and it's definitely an important point there. I just wonder how much of that comes down to you saw this against the Bengals in the playoff game as a perfect example. The offensive linemen crushed Buffalo's defensive linemen. There were plays where Shaq Lawson and the rest of the D linemen, you know, were getting pushed back into the linebacking realm by the offensive linemen who were having their way winning the line of scrimmage. How much of that falls on guys like Ed Oliver and co not doing their job, you know, more so than Tremaine Edmonds, you know, getting, cause what Tremaine does he is the prototypical linebacker, if you ask me, for the modern-day NFL. You mentioned the range, the fact that he goes sideline to sideline so well. He's a really underrated blitzer, and he's a great guy in coverage situations for the Bills. He's great covering tight ends. He's great at covering running backs. I just think that Tremaine Edmonds is what the Bills need to bring back. Otherwise, you're making more deficiencies and more holes on this defense. Well, and and that's a great point. The Bills do not have anybody in waiting. Their backup linebackers are just not no. good. I mean, AJ Klein was brought back during the season, and he was their best linebacker. And he's just he's not that good. Uh, so the depth that the Bills have is severely lacking. So there's nobody waiting in the wings there. The other side of it is at 25 years old. His best football may still be ahead of him. And that's what makes him very different than Jordan Poyer. I I understand he's been around for five years, but he had a career year this past season. A lot of it had to do with the part that you brought up, which was the defensive line play. He had Daquan Jones playing in front of him, and Daquan Jones was excellent this past year. So keeping the offensive linemen off of the linebackers went a long way to... Tremaine Edmonds playing as well as he did. But like I said, I think that he is going to continue to improve. And if you're losing an emotional leader like Jordan Poyer, you have got to bring back, you've got to bring back your defensive signal caller because you don't improve by having massive roster turnover. You know, the the teams that win the offseason, the teams that win in March every year, they say, are seldom the teams that win during the regular season because continuity has a lot to do with with a, a team's chemistry. And chemistry leads to winning a lot of the time. And, you know, clearly talent always tends to win out. But still, you've got to keep your core players together when possible. And I think this is a core member of the team. I would agree. And that's where I kind of mentioned the whole thing about 
you know, how Bills fans would curse the day and rue the day that Tremaine leaves. And then he really, they really appreciate just how great of a, a cover linebacker he is an athletic freak of nature, you know, that he is. And if, 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 um, again, giving Greg Thompson a lot of credit here with his, um, his evaluations of, of Tremaine saying a six year deal, 105 total, there's ways to play around with that money. So it's not a massive, you know, under his evaluation, it's a $7 million cap hit next year. It's 9 million and 24. And then it starts to balloon up over the final four years. But again, you can always restructure those deals and those signing bonuses out there. And I just feel like with money being at a premium, you've got to choose it wisely, how you spend it. And I just can't think of a better way to invest it than bringing back the heart and soul of this uh, linebacking core in Tremaine Edmonds, who really makes Matt Milano that much better and that much more of a weapon to go after and do the things that he does. I just find myself, Jamie, hoping that they're able to come to terms uh, with Tremaine and bring him back because you're right. I think he's still scratching the surface of his potential of what he can do, you but. know, and, and it's hard to value what Tremaine brings to the bills defense. I'm going to read some stats for you and they're going to sound interesting, but it's hard to put a value on this, but I'm going to give you the stats and then tell you why the stats nerds love Tremaine Edmonds. So in 23, he had a team leading 102 tackles, six for a loss. He had one sack. He broke up seven passes and he had one interception last year. Those numbers are good, but it's not, doesn't tell the whole story of what Tremaine brings to this team. He was one of, I believe he ranked fifth amongst all linebackers in defensive grades. He's an incredible guy in pass coverage, which those numbers don't really bear out to. Um, and he's really someone who he was the best rated linebacker when dropping into coverage last year, the second highest graded pass covered defensive player in the league behind a guy named sauce Gardner, who won rookie of the year on defense for the New York. Seriously, seriously, the grades for Tremaine were 90.0 when dropping into coverage. Sauce Gardner was a 90.2. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I would say so. But I'm going to hit you with a big butt, though. When it comes to roster construction, do you really want to have $30 million a season wrapped up in the linebacker position, though? It's a valid point. It's a valid question. I, Yeah. I mean, from a roster construction standpoint, you spend that money, it has to come from other places. And when you look at the state of the offensive line right now, the state of the receivers who are a dis- well, they were a disappointment this past year. We we all expected two of the Bills receivers to take a step forward. They didn't do it. Now, granted, the free agent class and the the rookie class are not impressive when it comes to receivers. But you put thirty million dollars a season into two positions at a position that is no longer considered premium in the NFL, you have to pull that money away from other places. Is that wise? I think you need the player, but what does that do to the rest of your roster? Well, again, if you're able, and I I agree, it's not wise to have that much tied down, you know, off the bat, but if the bills were able to defer and push back some of this money, and I trust some of the capologists out there who are saying the cap hit might be seven 
next year. That's a number the Bills can work around. And nine the next year, that also gives them time to figure out what the hell to do with some of those albatrosses on the defensive line who are eating up a ton of cap space. So I don't know. I I, I think that the Bills are going to turn to the draft to address the offensive line significantly. Um, I feel like they're going to turn to the draft or some veteran free agent signings. You're not going to see a DeAndre Hopkins. You're not going to see you know a marquee wide receiver uh, come in to address the room. You're certainly not going to see the Bills. I hope spend a first round draft pick on a running back to go with James Cook. Um, they can restructure Naheem Hines' deal with the $5 million he's owed. I think there's avenues for the Bills to pursue. I'm just really, Jamie, telling you that my love affair with Tremaine Edmonds, it better continue for next year because otherwise I think this defense is going to take a step backwards. And there's one aspect that we have not really discussed is these two players have to want to come back. Does any Has anybody forgotten July 1st, 2007, when Daniel Breer and Chris Drury left the Sabres. I was having a decent Saturday afternoon until you mentioned that fact, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, pain, pain, pain. I, I will say for, for what it's worth, and again, people say what they're going to say, and quotes can be misconstrued, but Tremaine Edmonds, towards the end of last season, was quoted by a couple of reporters saying, I love it here, being in Buffalo. They've done a good job of creating a winning culture, a culture that you want to be a part of, and a culture that I want to be a part of. You spend five years somewhere, these guys are my brothers. Now, he could turn around tomorrow and say, the heck with Buffalo, I'm going to go chase the dollars. But it's not like he has any sort of gripe with the city or with his coaches. So I would hope that if the money were equitable, he would choose to come back. Well, they've got a new linebackers coach. Do you think maybe that has something to do with keeping him? It could. I mean, <laughs> then again, people say that the New York Jets brought in Nathaniel Hackett as their OC to bring Aaron Rodgers uh, over because of their close personal relationship. One year after the Denver Broncos made Hackett their head coach, thinking that Rodgers would come over and be their quarterback. I mean, the coach relationship helps, but it only goes so far. Everything has to be there otherwise in my opinion to have the coach really have that type of impact yeah okay but that's my two cents on it bills fans what do you think we've uh we've kind of rambled on here a little bit giving you our thoughts on jordan poyer uh, his contract value tremaine edmonds his contract value and what the bills should do with these two key free agents coming up would you run it back if you can only choose one who are you picking of the two and why? We want to hear from you. Get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. Jamie, a pleasure as always, buddy. Oh, man, couldn't have done it without you. Jamie shared his. I shared mine. Give us yours on social. Enjoy the big game, and uh, we'll be back next week talking Buffalo Bills football on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 